Welcome to episode 15 of the What We've Watched podcast. My name's Chris. This is Emmett. Uh, this week we're going to be uh, doing a top five as it is a fifth episode. Every five episodes we do a top five. Uh, so far, anyway. And uh, <laughs> So far. So far, the three, we're three for three. Yeah, it's um, good. And, we're also uh, 15 for 15. We're 15, yeah, 15 weeks, 15 episodes. Weeks, so. Unbelievable. I really thought... Like, we're, we're, we would have missed a few by now. <laughs> I mean, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. life gets happens sometimes, but yeah. hey, but we're doing so, good so far. So, yeah, so far, life has found a way. Uh, but, um, yeah, so uh, this week we're doing uh, top five scary slash horror slash that genre of movie. Mm-hmm. Um uh, it's, it's it's October. It's yeah. uh, th- this will be the first episode for October, so we spooky. decided we'd do that for it's Spooky Month. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Spooky Month. Um, don't know uh, if we're gonna do other spooky stuff this month, um, but uh, I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out next week when we've totally deviated. Yeah. But uh, but that's that's what we got going today. Um, in preparation for this list, a lot of the movies on this on on our my top five, I have not seen in years. So I, I went back and I did a little, you know, watch a trailer, watch some clips, yeah. get, get a little familiar. Reminder. Like, why, why why do I remember liking this movie so much? Yeah, what yeah. was it about this movie that I keep, I remember? Like, why mm-hmm. do I always remember this one when I think of, you know, horror movies? Yeah. Um, cool. We did, I guess, getting on to the top five, top five mm-hmm. sl- horror slash scary movies. Um, I'm really curious to see what you have because I don't really know a lot about. Uh, see, Yeah. And I'm curious to see what you have because I know you have such a breadth in here. What yeah. makes your list? I'm very – I mean it's obviously going to be really good things, which I'm – which it, will probably mean a bunch of movies I'm going to want to see now. Yeah, it was really <laughs> tough because there's just so much. It and was, see, for me it was super tough just going back and remembering like, did I see that movie? I remember that seeing that movie. Why yeah. did I like that movie? I had to do a lot of research into – Right. What I that's cool. Like the horror movies I saw. Why would I? Why did I like this? Or did I just see it and not like it? And mm-hmm. p- piecing out enough movies to like make a list. I thought, oh, this is going to be tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have a hard time making a top five. Well, and it's something that. And then it, I got about 15 movies, and I had a really hard. It's time something that we haven't the really best talked five. a lot about because I, f- like, we don't really see a lot of those kinds of movies together. And and what's interesting is that I don't usually see those movies with anybody. They're very like if I happen to like oh maybe yeah. I'll watch that. And, and what's interesting is because like we have a lot of history of like going to going into the theater and stuff like that. So I mean a, a lot of the movies that we've seen uh, going back, you know, over the however years. over the years, like we saw we both saw them in the. Because we saw them in the theater uh, together. I mean, not always. I don't remember like, going to see many horror movies in the no, theater. No, well, I mean, yeah, we we don't usually do that. I mean, neither I don't usually go to very many horror movies in the theater either. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for example, like something like um, the 2009 Friday the 13th. Yes. All right, the reboot. 
Like, I went to the theater for that, but just by myself, just kind of on a whim. Like, one day I was just like, I got some time. And I... We watched it later together on... Uh, I don't know. I don't remember I watching I... it with you. But... Do you not remember watching it? No. Maybe I watched it on my own and, and, you might and have. we talked about it afterwards. You might have. But um... anyways, I just... So, I mean, there are kind of... Ele- oh, no. No, we watched the new night, uh, the new Nightmare on Elm Street together. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. Right. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I got that on the uh, closing out sale at uh, uh, that video video store downtown there. Oh, right when they it was like th- is like three bucks on Blu-ray. It's a good deal. It's good. When, I enjoyed and it that. It was still technically a new release. Like it was yeah. on the new release wall at the well, time. Well, they were still. just they were getting rid of everything. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I, I actually I enjoyed that movie. I um I actually watched it again recently um because I hadn't really seen it. Yeah, it was a couple of years. I saw ago it the once that. when it first was out, and then I hadn't really seen it since. So it'd been a few years, and um. Yeah, it's not great, but, like, it's not very good, but it's, visually, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, it, because with, now with modern effects, and just with the modern kind of, like, this was a time where this, that slickness, mm-hmm. that modern, more recent horror films have, which I usually am not really a fan of, but that slickness really worked for that one, because that, depicting the dreams, and the dream world, it's like, the kind of visuals that they were able to do was like nothing they would have even been able to dream of mm-hmm. back in the day. So on a visual level, it's very impressive. Um, I like Jack O'Reilly's mm-hmm. version of Freddy. Mm-hmm. It's not obviously very, as iconic. No, it but could never very be, good. Though. It can never be as iconic as the original Robert Englund version, but it's good in its own way. Um, I haven't seen like an, like one of the, like original Friday the 13th movies or uh, sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. In so long, like even before I watching, watched, I watched that the. One, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I watched the the right the original quite regularly. Um, I watched New Nightmare fairly regularly. Um, I've seen three probably a couple of times because it's kind of one of the better ones. Um, but the rest I've probably only seen like once or twice over my entire life, each. Um. And and not for a long, long time. Probably not for not since like, you know, the the early nineties or something. Yeah, like that's when I watched them. Yeah, that's, that's, I saw them. Like, like that. I watched a lot of those kind of movies yeah. when I was way too young to actually be well, watching those kind of movies. Like, I mean, that's in the a late, in the eighty in the eighties when you know I was like ten years old. Yeah, and we I mean could, that's, that's and we were and the video store would rent us Friday the Thirteenth. I mean that's and, a, that's, and that's a judgment Street call. And, I mean if you if you think that that's the case, then that's well fine. I, but I I personally I, think I, that I, it's, I don't personally it's up think it, for the, it's to the it's, up, it's different for everybody. Yeah. I mean I don't personally think it's the case, but just these are. The, all these movies are R and hard yeah. R's at that. It depends and on the movie content wise. Well. I've seen movies from that time since, mm. like as an as an adult that I didn't see back then, where I where I was definitely like, "Who oh, I'm glad I didn't see that one mm-hmm. back then." But there are other ones that I still think, "Nah, eh, that's fine." Yeah. But for a well adjusted like 10, 11 year old, that goes into the fine. same boat as it just for, depends on the movie. I was probably like ten or eleven the, the first time I saw Robocop. Yeah, <laughs> so I know. almost saw it in the theater. Yeah, that's right. It's one of my favorite stories. Yeah. This yep. was with a, some a friend of mine's dad and was going to take us to the movies and it mm-hmm. was sold out and we went to uh, Superman four instead. Yeah, which is definitely a more appropriate uh, movie. But uh, <laughs> talk about other side of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. No, 
<laughs> Especially in terms of quality. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. But, All right. Yeah. So, well, uh, I guess, um, I guess we're, number five. We're swapping oh, back and uh, forth. So, before we start. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Criteria wise. Right. Did you give yourself a specific criteria yeah, on your, well, on your yeah, list? Yeah. Okay. Actually, I'm glad you reminded me about that because I didn't want to address that. So, just really, really quickly because I want to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty big horror fan for the most part. Uh, older stuff mainly. I, I don't watch nearly as much nowadays as I used to. Um, but, um, I pretty much tried to stay away from any really heavily hybridized, like, horror movies where it's, like, it's horror, kind of, but it's really, like, a- like an action movie. Like, like stuff like, you know, you, you go through lists of horror movies, and they have things like the Underworld movies, the Resident Evil movies, stuff like oh. that. Those are not horror movies. They're action movies. They have certain horror trappings. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to consider them horror, like, like oh, my favorite horror movie is is, you know... Resident Evil such and such or whatever mm-hmm. that's fine I, I don't have a problem for that yeah. with that with them but in my opinion those yeah. are not actual true horror movies they're action movies with horror elements well this is something we we actually talked about off off yeah. the air um, earlier last week when we were talking about our list was that uh, horror being a genre it's so easy, many it's easy to hybridize well, it. it's very easy to and also or comedy horror, there's so many settings that follow yeah. and being that there's always that thing where well, people because, talk about like sci-fi yeah. but sci-fi is not a genre well, sci-fi is a setting well it's because and so you can have a horror sci-fi yeah and but like horror comedy is a blend of genres well i would say okay here's here's well, my for i mean just right off i looked at a lot to remind myself about mm-hmm. like movies to make sure i'd seen them yeah i looked at a lot of like lists of yeah. what are the considered top that's what i'm talking about you know what movie is on almost all top 10 or top 25 lists as a horror movie? Alien? Shaun of the Dead. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, zombie, horror. Mm-hmm. Kind of actually like a gra- quite a graphic movie, yeah. you know, considering. Mm-hmm. I, that's okay. a comedy to me. To, that movie's just okay. a comedy. Here, here's the way that I See, judge I, it. I consider Alien okay, though, because it's a sci-fi setting. Mm-hmm. It's not an action movie. It doesn't, it's, horror is its only genre. That's fine. It's still that's still an opinion, but to me, it's it's because because sci-fi is a setting, not a genre. Well, but that's I mean that's a judgment call. That's that's an opinion. But the thing is, for me, it's there. It's because there are no there's no such thing as like plain like horror is not a thing on its own. Well, yes and no. I mean, for me, it's it's what is the primary. If, yeah, if the goal of the movie is to be horror. Definition and the primary goal of the movie. Yes. Um, yeah. So That's what I went with, too. Because the thing is, is it is it horror because it has, you know, mo- uh, like some sort of monster or killer mm-hmm. and people are, and people are dying and there's, or there's, you know, certain iconic things like there's a vampire or a werewolf or a blah, 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 or a blah, blah, blah. It's like, is that what makes it horror, or yeah. is what makes it horror like the way that it makes you feel like yeah. like it's horror because it's horrifying you, like it's 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 there to make to to scare you, and it's yeah. like well, like a horror comedy has certain uh, trappings or tropes of horror, but is it really horror? 
Well, not really, because it's a comedy. It's yeah. there to make well, you laugh. Like you said about the Underworld. Well, a horror movie's not there to make you underworld laugh. Get, like you said about the Underworld movies, they get in the Resident Evil, because they have monsters or vampires in them, they just get dumped yeah, into zombies, horror, vampires, yeah. werewolves, etc. Mm-hmm. Those Which, are horror trappings. In a way, but like, if you watch those movies, at any point, are you just, like, are you like, oh, God, oh, are you scared? Are no. you, like, even, like, are you repulsed by, like, some terrible thing that you see in it or some concept. Mm-hmm. No, of course not. They're action movies. You watch them and you're like, you're like, pan, man, pow. You know, look at that, those action sequences, look yeah. at the, the fighting and the shooting and the, they're action movies. Yeah. It, and like I say, if somebody wants to, to, to hold on to them as being horror under yeah. their definition of it, that's fine. That's their opinion. Mm-hmm. My opinion is that those mm-hmm. are action movies and horror comedies are comedies primarily with horror, certain horror trappings. And so for my choices i tried to stick with very pure mm-hmm. like true horror films uh where it's not where there wasn't a lot of cross sort of pollination between different genres and it was main, yeah. and it's mainly there mm-hmm. just to give you that feeling of being creeped out essentially which is what horror movies are i, I just basically went and looked at like what are the different kinds of ways horror affects you and those were sort of the movies that I really like. Yeah. It, it, like, what kind of um, horror is this? And that's yeah. sort of so. So, yeah. I mean, that's the way I'm looking at it. Uh, another aspect is I pretty much left out um, from my main list. At least I have a couple of honorable mentions, but basically left out from my main list, um, like vampire mm. movies entirely, because. Vampire movies is that's like... That's like a whole genre in well, itself. Well, it's one of the biggest sort of genres mm-hmm. for me. Like, I collect vampire movies and, like, there's just no way. Like, that would be its own I list. I think that could be it, that it, could be a good... And to just pick one to include or something like that, like, how could I pick just one? Yeah. I feel like it, it would have to be its own list, pretty mm-hmm. much. So I basically just made the executive decision to just leave Vampire Movies out entirely to leave more room for more variety. Because I could easily just do a five. I feel a list like of five in Vampire some ways, movies. like monster movies, you know, which would include things are like almost Vampire their movies. own category. Like its own yeah, category, and then they it gets lumped into horror. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is in the larger sense. But again, it it's I, all depends. Plenty on... of monster movies aren't horrific at all. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> a monster movie is not necessarily horror. I mean, I saw plenty th- of vampire movies aren't. I mean, horrific. I saw things like people, you know, having things like, you know, like on lists, like they would include things like. Godzilla movies, mm. you oh, know, wow. uh, um, you know, Godzilla movie is only horrifying or Godzilla is only horrifying if he's in your city. Yeah. He's not that horrifying on but film. But I've been like Godzilla movies, uh, even things like, um, you know, uh, based off of that sort of thing, like Cloverfield and some of the oh, giant yeah. monster movies and stuff like that. Right. Like that's a different category. To me, those yeah. are not horror movies. Like mm-hmm. yeah, they, they have a few elements here and there, but. I mean, sir, I mean, especially, I mean, Godzilla movies are not horror movies at all. No. Maybe the original is a horror movie by, like, 50s standards. Yeah, yeah sure. You know, for its time. That wore the it, world's way. It is very dark. Yeah. I mean, literally and figuratively. Um, a lot of, you know, terrible things happen and stuff like that. Um, and it's a much more serious tone. The original, I think, debatably uh, could be considered as, like, an early horror film. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's about it. I mean, after that, they were just kind of, like... I mean, they eventually they just started making them for kids, practically, yeah, you know? So. Uh, Godzuka. Uh, the. I mentioned about vampire movies. Mm-hmm. Funny thing, 
all these lists I looked at, while they had like Shaun of the Den in the Shaun of the Den, Shaun of the Dead in the top like ten or twenty movies. No vampire movies. A lot of vampire movies. I didn't run across Interview with a Vampire once. Now I would never consider Interview with a Vampire a horror movie, but neither would I consider Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And I'm like, in some ways, I would consider. Interview with the Vampire, more of a horror movie than... I would, in, too. Yeah, and but I, I didn't see it on I agree that list. it's not really a horror movie. It's more of, like, mm. a drama, but... Yeah, it, um, by far. It's a drama with... Drama with vampires. With sort of horrific elements, but... Yeah. But, yeah, it would definitely be more an actual horror movie than, than yeah. Shaun of the Dead was, that's for sure. Yeah. But, all right, um... So now that we've we've figured <laughs> yeah, now, it out, now, now that we, we know what we're not talking now about, now we know what we're not talking about. <laughs> um, I guess you can go first. I, I'll we'll, go for, we'll, okay. we'll go back and forth back and here, forth. so... Okay. Um, I have, I only have a single tie in mine. Okay. And that is for number five. Oh, I, yeah. I figured I'd I do sh- it as number I five. I should probably mention I did, I do have basically, essentially like a top ten. You have an also ran? Well, I have two, I have five pairs. Five pairs. Okay. That are, that are themed. Themed. Oh, that's cool. That's so a good way to do it. It's the okay. best that I could do. I mean, um, I, I, I. Well, you had, like you said, you had such a hard time with this. It's, yeah. it's a tough. <laughs> mine was. Without the- breaking it down into like sub lists of like, you know, sub genres and stuff. It, there's just so many. Mine was difficult the other way in, I like all these movies. Because yeah. I'm, I'm so picky so about just the horror I them. see. Just even deciding which ones were even going to be in the top five yeah. was difficult. And then ordering them was all right, fair enough. I, I'm glad we had two weeks to do this. Well, I'm dying to know, man. <laughs> All right. Hit it, so, hit me. So my number five is a tie. Yep. Um, two very different movies. Cool. Uh, one I've seen a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I've only seen once, and I was young when I saw it. Okay. But you feel like you this. Really uh, I'll do it. that one first. Definitely. I was, it was 1990, so I was 13 when I saw this okay. movie. Definitely. Maybe even 12. De- yeah, probably. Actually, probably 12. <laughs> Definitely way too young to see to, to have seen this okay, movie. Fair enough. The movie is called The Guardian. Okay. Um, and Guardian. The Guardian it rings a bell, but I don't think I've seen it. Um, it's uh, it's a William Freakin movie. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, though, he has completely divorced himself from this movie. Okay. Um, in fact, the the credits on it now mm-hmm. uh, have the the Alan Smithy as the writing. Oh credit. wow! Okay. Yeah, he's. Completely. Fair enough. Um, it received universally bad reviews. Right. Roger Ebert put it on his most hated films list. Okay, cool. Um, I'm waiting yeah. for, like, the punchline here. I'm waiting for what uh, What, what do you like about it? 13-year-old Chris was quite traumatized by this movie. Okay. So um, as a horror, it was it, very effective. Very effective horror That's movie. That's what you're saying. Um, yeah. it's, it's about a, a couple. They have a, a, a child, and they need to find a nanny to, to look at. They move to a new city, I believe, and they get this new house, and... Uh, it's on like this nice big estate property and they, they, they're both working and they need to find a nanny to look after their, 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 their young, very young baby. It's not quite a baby, but it's sort of like almost a baby. Um, and they, um, and so they go through this, this, you know, interview process where they interview all these nannies Mm -hmm. and eventually they end up with through circumstances, one nanny and she is having like her presence is having an effect on, uh, both the, the, the two main, the mother and the, the father, the, the husband and wife character of this film, mm-hmm. uh, in, in different ways. And, it, like, very disturbing. Uh, but it's something they can't really quite put their their finger on, and so they, they kind of, like, hand-wave it a bit as to what's right. going on. They're, you know, they're cocking up to a lot. They're cocking up. They're chalking chalking up a, it up. They're chalking, cocking it up. They're <laughs> chalking up a lot to just being, like, they're, you know, they're, they're both working a lot, and they're concerned about their child. Yeah. And um, this nanny is sort of like this... Um, 
tree spirit dryad. Uh, okay. You know the movie I'm talking about. I, I definitely have not seen it, but I now know exactly yeah. which one you're talking about. Um, and yeah, she, it rings she, a bell. She, but she I, lives, I know, I know, I haven't seen from it. the woods, like in the trees behind. Actually, their house. hold on. I have seen it, yeah. but I saw it on television. <laughs> wow, so it was this, edited. This would have been an amazing movie. This movie is um, very, it, even though it's a 1990 film. I mean, it's literally right on the cusp there. It is a very 80s in that, like blood. Uh, uh, yeah, I saw nudity. I like, saw it's very much like of a horror film of the 80s. I saw like an edited television version. It wasn't <laughs> it was like as 20 head- minutes long. I mean, of course, that's that's RT, RTV, yeah. so it's not Canadian as, TV. It's not yeah, as yeah. edited as like it would have been in in America, for example. Mm-hmm. But um, it was definitely somewhat edited. Yeah. But yes, I so I do remember that now. And and basically, the, this, this dryad nanny has. Like, I would never plans. have thought. It. I'm really impressed. Like this is amazing that you're pulling out this little like nugget yeah. from from nowhere because uh, I would never have thought about that movie in a million years. In this movie. Th- I do actually. You know, it's funny because now that you're t- talking yeah. about it. Like, I do have, like, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's creepy shit in this movie. I agree, yeah. absolutely. And um, it made a huge impact on me at the time. Yeah. But it wasn't a lasting one. Yeah. Uh, or at least not consciously a, a lasting one. Yeah. But I do very, very distinctly remember, now that you talk about it, being <laughs> super creeped yeah. out by that movie. Uh, it was... It, I want to see it again now. Yeah. Um. The... the um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and it basically they have to basically fight, not sort of fight, but like resist yeah, yeah, yeah. this dryad. She tries to take their son and like that is a great melds choice. That him is a great like, out of the blue choice. It has one of the bloodiest scenes I have ever seen outside of a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, who interestingly enough, Sam Raimi was originally going to be the director for this film. Yeah, and he got that would been he, he got pulled away into into something else. That would have been interesting. Um, yeah. uh, oh, he he got pulled away into Darkman. He ended up doing Darkman instead of okay. instead of the Guardian. Yeah. Um, and well, I know Darkman sort of came about because um, Sam Raimi had always wanted to do like a comic book movie, and that's and and there was one of those like the opportunity nobody came up would and hire so he him. Went to do that nobody instead. would hire him to do one, so he was like, "Well, I'll make yeah. my own comic book yeah. character, essentially movie." Um, and there, there's a scene where uh, it's towards the end of the film, but the the husband is is cutting the the tree dryad she's in like tree form um and it's like invaded the house and it's like destroyed the house with her branches and he's hacking at it away with a chainsaw and every time he hits it like when the bark breaks blood just comes geysering yeah. out and yeah, i have a vague memory was, of that it was as a 13 year old i was both like oh my god this is amazing and also like kind of like horrified because yeah, i've yeah. just never really seen yeah i mean i'd seen you know nightmare on elm street movies and stuff like that but it wasn't to this degree. Yeah, and there's a little bit of psychological. No, I remember. In this too, I remember and, that yeah. being super creepy movie. Yeah. So and so, but yeah, I never so, would have thought of it. But that, that movie, I I've only seen the once. I saw it then, and I just I don't need to see it again. But I kind of feel like I want to just because yeah. I have even less memory of it than you do. But yeah, um, yeah, I I know now I know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Yep. Um, the the other movie maybe I might have even maybe I even saw it like on cable maybe uh, it wasn't cut cut yeah I, I don't remember because I definitely remember that it was very cre- uh, very very creepy movie uh-huh. so anyways I have no idea like the availability of that movie on who knows yeah um, who knows especially if it's when I was looking at it trailers, might have a cult following though when I was looking at trailers all the trailers were just like the original like TV four by three yeah, yeah. Uh, like super low res yeah um, the other movie I have is uh, an animated movie. 
Okay. Uh, called Perfect Blue. Oh. Uh, it came out in 1997. Okay. Um, by uh, a Japanese man. It's a Japanese. It's a Japanese animated movie. Okay. Uh, named uh, Satoshi Kon. Okay. Um, uh, passed away, unfortunately. Um, but uh, he's done a number of other movies that uh, a lot of people know. Um, he's his U.S. releases were um, Millennium Actress, Paprika. Okay. Um, a number of other yeah. Tokyo Godfathers. Heard he's of done them. quite a few movies. Um, Definitely heard of all those. And but a lot of his movies follow this. this some, sometimes it's, it's hard because yeah. I'll know titles and even sometimes like a like a cover or like a basic um, blurb on things mm-hmm. because of the time at the video store. Yeah. So, you know, working in the video store for three years, it was like um, – there's a lot of times where I'm like, that rings a bell, but I haven't actually seen it. It's yeah, just yeah. because I was you surrounded the... by the boxes and stuff all the time. Anyways. Um, the it, A lot of his movies, almost all of his works, uh, revolve around the theme of blending imagination with reality. Okay. And this movie, being a horror movie, is like 99% psychological horror. Right. Like, you're never really sure what's going on. Uh, unreliable narrator... Um, it's about an, um, a pop star who is retiring from the, she's like part of a, like a, a trio and she's retiring from the trio to become an actress. Um, and there's a lot of stresses involved with, I kind of feel bad now because it's like, you're, you're pulling out all these crazy, like, like, um, you know, uh, out of the box kind of selections and oh, uh, I, I feel like my choices are all going to be like very obvious the rest of my list is a little more a they're little all more... kind of your standard like oh this is a great movie this is a great movie this is a great movie but anyways um, this one continue this one yeah <laughs> this one really stuck I, with me um because I feel kind of, of dumb now. i've seen it a number of times mm-hmm. um because of it's one of the uh few like psychological horror movies where there's nothing really like visually horrific about it for the most part um but you're the whole time the movie, your brain is just like going a mile a minute trying yeah. to sort of keep up with what's going on. Um, and I, like I was saying, it's, it's about a, a pop singer who becomes an actress, and there's all these stresses involved with this um, and her interaction with her fan base. And she sort of she becomes she starts to become unraveled. Yeah. And there's elements of multiple personality disorder, of uh, like uh, stalking, like fan stalking, and. Uh, all sorts of like the unable to tell reality from from mm-hmm. what either she's imagining or what is actually going on, uh, and you 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 feel very you feel very bad for the main character because all these horrible things are happening that, to her, but you're not sure if she's bringing it on herself yeah. or 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 is it some combination that, of just that kind of like really heavy duty like psychological horror is um, something that I really like respect in terms of people who have the ability to uh, make art like that. It, it's rare. But it's something that, like, I can't... I just, like, I, I find so hard to wrap my head around because if you get too deeply into it, it can be so disturbing. Uh, yeah. Like, it's almost more disturbing than, like, physical horror. Mm-hmm. Um, well, often a lot of psychological but horror seems you kinda to have also to get, have, a, like, a, there's a commentary to Because it. there's an element of you have to sort of get into it a little mm-hmm. more. You have to immerse yourself in it a little more, which is that much more disturbing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, this one's got like a twist, and then there's a twist on the twist, and you're yeah. like, "Oh my god, I was totally what I was thinking was totally wrong." And uh, I mean, it's not like an M. Like Shyamalan twist, like it's not like a bad twist, but uh, it, it's 
it's also a very beautiful movie. Like twists are are fine until it becomes a formula. A for, yeah, and yeah. and I mean that's part of the problem with yeah. stuff like the M Night Shyamalan thing, where, where like people just expect like after the first time, it's like oh well, there's always going to be a twist, and I, I, I and I think the the twist in horror movies is one of those things that can really separate a good horror movie from a bad horror movie because often a lot of horror movies have some sort of well, twist or and or it's also them. I mean you got to think like there's a difference between a, a, a true twist. And just kind of fulfilling a trope where, you know, a lot of – at the end of a lot of horror movies, it, they do the thing where, where like, they've defeated the killer. Mm-hmm. And then at the last second – He's back. He, he, like, leaps up and grabs one of the characters or something. And then the, it no, cuts. Credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that's not really a twist, but it is, like, a, a trope of horror films that is used mm. just because it's a familiar trope that people sort of – like oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. they did that because that's it's such a standard thing you yeah. know it's, yeah. and it, and it can be good or bad depending on how it's done yeah so so yeah so perfect blue uh, good psychological thriller beautifully animated uh, really well voiced uh, do, you, do you watch it like with subtitles or? Uh, yeah watch it with subtitles yeah, yeah. I I don't know if there's a dubbed version yeah. it never had an American release once in a while so, there or, can or be... like a, an American theatrical release like a lot of his films there, have there had, are so. decent dubs once in a while mm-hmm. for for that stuff but usually it's better to stick with the subtitles and get like the original performance mm-hmm. but yeah. well a lot yeah. of the like the because even if like... you don't understand the words that they're mm-hmm. saying you're getting the performance yeah. you're hearing. How they, you hear the emotion in the voices. How they mean and, for it to come yeah. across. That's why I do prefer the And then the you dumb. can read the subtitles. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I yeah. do prefer the subtitle. Because yeah. often, outside of like the big theatrical releases that get like actual actors, like some of the more yeah. recent Miyazaki stuff than that uh, recent, it's been going on for like 10 years now. But yeah, I mean, if they, comparatively, do, a, if they do a really good job on the dub, mm-hmm. um, and they get people that really, they don't have to be famous actors, but if they just get voice actors that are really giving it their all, and, and really performing it, mm-hmm. then, then it's okay, but... Usually, yeah. I prefer to just hear the original performance and just read, read the subtitles to yeah. get the sense and then, you know, put it together. I can read quickly enough that I don't find them distracting. I know some people don't like it because they, they, they yeah. find it distracting, but, you know. If it, okay. If it's – if having to read the subtitles is going to prevent you from watching a good – like a really good foreign film um, because you just – you have trouble with subtitles – then by all means, watch the dub mm-hmm. because it's not worth just not watching the movie. Mm-hmm. If it's a really good foreign film, you know, it's worth watching it even if you're getting the dub. It might yeah. not be ideal, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If that's what's separating, if that's if that's what's forcing the issue, but whenever possible, I think definitely subtitles are always best to go mm-hmm. with. Yeah, so that's, that's my number five, a tie between uh, The Guardian and A Perfect Blue. Cool. All right, number five for you. Uh, number five for me. So my theme on this one is mm-hmm. uh, I call it like the Prestige Club. Okay. So these are like the movies that you know a lot of horror movies are are kind of um, they're 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 low art, right? They're not high art. They're they're often independent, low budget. Yeah. You know. Um, they're not blockbuster films. Be kind of almost like B movies, but you know even when they're done well, you know they're they're yeah. They're a different kind of thing. So these are like the the sort of the prestige club where it's like things that are like horror movies, but they're on a different level of sort of artistry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have um, from 1973, The Exorcist by hey, William Freakin. Hey, look at that. William Freakin, uh, based on the book by William Peter Blatty. Um, so, I mean, there's not really much to be said here. Obviously, it's a very famous movie. Um, but 
it's often very high up on a lot of like lists of horror movies. Um, people often, often on lists, it's like referred to as being like the scariest movie all of all time and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, I don't really agree with that obviously, but, um, it's, but it's in terms of just the artistry of it, it's just incredibly well made. Um, I mean, I, I even wrote down like it's, it was nominated for 10 Oscars and it won two, it won for, um, best adapted screenplay for William Peter Blatty, which is mm-hmm. ironic because I always think it's funny where it's best adapted screenplay, but it's adapted from his own book. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, fair enough. You can adapt. It's still book. technically an adapted, adapted screenplay because it's based on a previously existing mm-hmm. material. Works, yeah. But it's the same person. <laughs> it just seems kind of, I don't, I don't think there's any rule that you can't adapt. No, no, I know. Work, I just but... think it's funny that he's winning an Oscar for adapting his own mm-hmm. book. Um, and then, uh, the other one was, well, since uh, there's no Oscars for books, sound mixing. Uh... It won for sound mixing, oh, wow. but I mean, it was nominated for best picture, Best Actress for Ellen Bernstein. What did it win against that year? Do you know? Uh, for 73, so no, I don't know. Okay. I didn't look that up. But it's, it was on for Best Picture, Best Actress for Ellen Bernstein, Best Supporting Actor for Jason Miller, Best Supporting Actress for Linda Blair, Best Director for William Friedkin, uh, the adaptive screenplay, as I said, which it won, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Production Design, and then it won Best Sound Mixing. That's so amazing for, for, a, a, for a horror film. And the funny thing is, is like uh, I actually watched because I hadn't seen it in a while, and I watched like kind of like what you did. I watched some stuff about it, mm-hmm. and I I found some like uh, um, interviews and things like that. And it's funny how like William Friedkin and William Peter Blatty don't really consider it. Like they specifically have said like they don't consider it like a horror film. Like they're 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 fine with people regarding it that way, mm-hmm. um, but in their opinion, it's not. Because they're both they're both like heavily into like like they they believe the whole thing right like like like, like William Peter Blatty was like writing the book like he based it on like actual uh, what sorry what year did you say this was seventy three um, it would have been seventy four Oscars oh, okay yeah okay um anyways but uh, I'm just curious here about uh, what won that I oh, def uh, the Sting won that year oh well that's fine yeah Sting is one of the yeah. greatest movies ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but just to be nominated for all those things and stuff, yeah. right? For like a horror film, whether, you know, they intended it to be a horror film when they're making it or not, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. And it's very effective as such. Um, using the uh, introduction for Tubular Bells as like theme music for it is obviously very famous. Most mm-hmm. people just know it as the theme from Exorcist. So a lot of people don't even realize that it's Tubular Bells. Yeah. Or um, what Tubular Bells is. That's what or I mean, yeah. Who, uh, yeah. So... His- Name Mike Oldfield. Mike Oldfield. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people kind of just hear that music and associate it with The Exorcist, or vice versa. Um, I mean, that's something that we we hadn't really talked about yet. But like, music is always like a huge thing, part of horror, like mm-hmm. as it is with any film. But so many of the like iconic horror films have an iconic musical theme that is associated with them, like that goes with them. You know, whether probably it's... it. Probably it goes in with horror because in order to be a successful horror, in my opinion, but yeah, they, I feel well, they, atmosphere they to, is everything. Yeah, atmosphere, and, and they music, have to and they have to manipulate your yes. emotions, which mm-hmm. is what you know music is a big mm-hmm. part of that. So my other choice on this one, while maintaining the theme of sort of more high art prestige mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, take on on horror, is uh, in terms of its initial success uh, and acclaim is the complete other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, from 1980, The Shining by ah. Stanley Kubrick, based on the book by Stephen King. Um, I don't know if it's the other side of the fence. I can definitely well, see lumping is, these two movies together, but... It is because 
where The Exorcist was a huge hit, hugely critically acclaimed, nominated for 10 Oscars. Mm -hmm. The Shining was not a big hit when it came out. It got very mixed reviews, and it was like the first Stanley Kubrick movie in a long time to not only get mixed reviews, but it was not nominated for any Oscars or nothing. Um, of course, since has become iconic. Exactly. <laughs> Over time, it has raised its mm -hmm. its its uh its reputation is much raised up. And I even checked. Um, it's like ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So I mean, like, it's definitely considered very very high up now. Um, the reason that I have it on here. Um, is the reason I have these ones down at number five mm -hmm. is that while I think that they are exceptional films in terms of just like how well crafted and, and just they're, they're just top of the line, you know, top shelf films on every level, but I don't really have a lot of like connection to them. Like they, like mm -hmm. I, just, I don't really feel like a lot, a lot of like emotional connection to them or, you know, they were never something that I got really sort of into where I was just like, Oh these are great movies, you know, like they, they are great movies, but they're great movies in a very kind of, uh, cold kind of, uh, removed way. You mm -hmm. know, like, like I just sort of look at them as like, Oh, these really well-made movies, but you know, I don't really feel a lot for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do to a point, but that's why they're number five as opposed to higher on the list. Right. Um, but the shining, that one was one of the earliest movies that I saw where I on it, like I genuinely felt like it was really scary, like, and there's not a lot in it that's overtly horrific or horror-ish. Um, it's very little, few and far between. It's kind of like a quiet movie for most of it, but it it just it gets in you and it just takes hold and it's like it's it's very creepy. Um, so that one, one I, I have a, I have a shame, I have a shame. I have never seen The Shining all the way through. Really, I have seen. Bits and pieces well, of it. It was um, it was one I, of the few movies that did really genuinely scare me when I saw it. Yeah. And it wasn't I didn't see it that early. Like it wasn't like I was that young. Like I was probably maybe like mid teens, maybe. Yeah. I wanna say. And uh it's pretty scary. But yeah, I just I just I I, I it's one of those you just need to take the time, just need to watch the damn thing. It's All right. I've seen so much of it, but yeah. but yeah, no. Um you bring up an interesting point with these films, uh, how they 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 are like the category you put them in, and then how how you you felt like they they while are high end horror um, did not have like massive effect on you mm -hmm. in, in, in you know uh, uh, well I, I guess like I, I would I, say like I'm not really a fan of those movies like mm -hmm. I am with some of the other choices yeah. that are higher on my list, but I. You respect I them. I respect them greatly, mm -hmm. and I think that they're very good movies, but I'm not, like, a fan of them mm -hmm. in the sort of that way of, like, of like, oh, man, oh, I love those movies. Yeah. You know, like, I just don't really feel that way. Um, but that brings the up... The Shining definitely more so than The Exorcist. I've never really been a big fan of The Exorcist, but I just felt like I had to include it because it is just such an exceptional piece of work. Um, it, it does... That's That brings up sort of something I meant to mention earlier is... Um, you have a you're big into horror. You have an extensive list and, and knowledge of horror movies, and and I'm not yeah. so much in terms of movies that I remember or like. Mm -hmm. um, and The Exorcist, uh, I completely agree with you uh, in terms of uh, the beautifully filmed, great. You know the composition of the movie is, is amazing. The, mm -hmm. the music is incredible. Um, I found it very boring, and that is my problem with most horror and why I don't watch a lot of horror. I it's fair. 
I, and this actually applies to most movies in general, is I get excited about a movie and I watch a movie and I'm entertained. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm very easily entertained (laughs) in a lot of movies. I have still lots of bad movies that I like because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm easily entertained. Because it's entertaining. Yeah. But I don't buy in to movies or TV or really any medium like very heavily. Like I'm not a person that gets drawn in and forgets about his surroundings when watching something. Right. And thus, which is kind of necessary for a lot of horror horror movies. Falls flat on me a lot of the times. And I don't know if it's like latent ADD where I just can't concentrate on what's going on, but it's just like, I know, I guess maybe I just, I know what's going on Mm -hmm. and I know it's a horror movie. Yeah. And so, I do. Like, some of the best horror movies I've seen are ones that I wasn't really sure that they were horror movies until I was way into the movie already. Right. And I'm like, oh, fine. this is a horror movie. But, it, like, for example, Exorcist. I enjoyed The Exorcist, but also would never watch it again, but would completely recommend it to somebody. Yeah. So it's... You know, and the and the the the. I don't uh, know who I'd recommend it to. I think everybody's seen it, but <laughs> yeah. And the later version that they did, um, I think they. Oh, the remake. I think they not not a remake. It was. Um, Didn't they do a remake? Maybe I'm thinking something else. Yeah. No, it was not the remake, but it was. Uh, they did like a director's cut, and then I think they there was also another different cut that was like the version you never saw in theaters or something. Was how they <laughs> marketed it, but. Um, there was there was a couple of different versions of it that they put out later on. The Oscar winning version, and um, <laughs> we'd only done this, it would have won. And they, uh, and and the, and that was really good. Um, I don't remember which one that I saw, whether it was like the second version or the third version, but <laughs> whatever it was, when they added stuff back in and and that that was cut before and, and things like that, um, it was actually really cool um, mm. because sometimes with those things. You know, it's not always necessarily an improvement. Like sometimes you're just like, yeah, well, it's it's good to see an alternate version, but it was still more effective in the original or whatever. Yeah. This was a case where it really only enhanced it; it didn't really take away from it at all. So um, I'd say, you know, the original version that was released is fine, but if you see one of those later versions, um, you're not really miss- mm, miss- losing anything. Like it, they're just as good, if if not. You know, if not better, arguably, because oh. there's scenes in them that um, that are actually worthwhile. Hmm. So, anyways, yeah, number four for you. Uh, before I get number four, um, I something I forgot to do. Oh, uh, okay, I do like to just sort of as a I know I like numbers. Yeah. Uh, do the Rotten Tomato scores on the movies on my list. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Guardian has a whopping thirteen percent. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. That's uh, even lower than Gunman. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's pretty low. Uh, uh, Perfect Blue has 88%. All right. So, so that's a big contrast yeah, there. Quite a big, bit of a contrast there. Yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, so my number four. My number four is a more recent film than the other two. A little, a little more recent anyway. Um, uh, and it is The Ring. Uh, yeah. Not the the Japanese one, but the American remake. Yeah. Um, was the first of those uh, American Japanese horror remakes mm-hmm. that really launched a absolutely and uh, you know a, yep. a huge. Uh, uh, I mean, when, they just did. They started doing every year a new one of those. Yeah. Um, even did sequels to the Ring. When uh, when was it? Two thousand two. Yeah. Um, I know that. I was just trying to get you yeah. to say it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I thought I said it already. No, you didn't. Sorry. <laughs> uh, directed by Gore Verbinski. Yeah. Uh, starring 
a bunch of people, Naomi Walks, Naomi Walks, Naomi Watts, yeah. and Brian Cox. I, I amalgamated their last names that, there. That's right. Uh, are the only two people of note really in the movie? That's right. Uh, that's, that's and Naomi, all, Naomi Watts is the the main character. That's all that matters. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel this. This is a very. This is the infamous Seven Days movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody knows this movie. Everybody Whatever. It's amazing. Uh, it was. The first sort of modern horror film I guess I had seen, sort of the the sort of the 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 two thousands when horror started to get uh, sort of Hollywood horror, yep. where they really put a lot of production value into it. Yep. But at the same time, they use that production value to make oh yeah make it's it very scary. effective. It's very um, effective. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I sort of figured it would be on your list. Somewhere. Yeah, uh, I I really love this film. Yep, uh, I've seen it a number of times. I I have not seen the sequels. I keep meaning to. Uh, we'll see what this year. We'll see what this October brings. I try to always watch a few Halloween like Halloween. Yeah, movies. well, we talked movies. about watching the second, second one, one for years. I feel I want to watch the first one again now. It's been so bloody long. <laughs> it's fourteen year old movie now. I have uh, them both on DVD. Or 12, 13 year old. You have it on DVD. Okay, yeah. cool. I have them both. Oh, oh you have them both. Yeah, oh, well, I right. just both. I've still not watched the second, second one. one. Okay, it, it's hard because sometimes there are movies you see them and you love them and you're like, man, I really I want, want more. I really want more. <laughs> I want to watch that sequel now. <laughs> And then there are other movies where you see them and you love them and you're like, I don't want to watch the sequel because I feel like that's going to... You'll ruin it. Yeah. Well, not necessarily ruin it, but just mm-hmm. that it's going to be disappointing because it's not going to be in the same mm-hmm. in the same vein as or in the same ballpark as the first. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there are cases I, where there's a lot of movies where I'm a big fan of the first one. Where I've I like have basically skipped the sequels or you know sequel or in some Ever, cases many sequels. most of the time it's a good idea yeah I mean <laughs> if I hear if someone says like like oh such and such like the third one's really good you should check that one out then yeah. I'll be like okay cool yeah. but like for the most part it's usually just not worth it yeah. unless you're a big fan of that type of thing of the endless series that go yeah. on forever and just like you know yeah it, it's usually we're not worth it well like. When we talked about uh, Final Destination, endless yeah. series. Of, oh, yeah, I've uh, never seen any of the sequels, yeah. but I saw the first one when it first came out, and I've mm-hmm. and I've always liked it. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Ring had so much um, sort of, I guess, the the film tricks that they used to make it horrific. The, yeah. the the little girl, the coming through the TV, and the the way she moved, where she she existed in the real world, but kind of looked like she was made out of like TV. Yes, yeah. and like. And- Another thing it, that's interesting is that it was almost like a music, like music. As video far as I recall correctly, stuff? there's, I believe, in terms of actually in the film itself, like not counting backstory, I believe there's only two people that die in yeah, the entire oh, movie. Oh, it's, um, it's all about the, and the when, intensity. And when you do see it, like you don't actually see them die; you see only the aftermath. And when you do see the aftermath, it's for like. Like a split second, mm-hmm. they just show you a flash. Yeah, it's very disturbing what you see. Oh, oh, it, like 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 that intense disturbing where you're like, well, it, I'm gonna have nightmares about yeah, that tonight. Well, yeah. and and many people did. Like this is a movie that a lot of people found extremely scary. Um, but they don't really show you that much, or what they do show you, they show you just for like just a flash. Mm-hmm. It's all atmosphere it's all it what what the movie does to mm. your brain mm-hmm. what it puts in your mind and how it feels that's it's that's all of it there's no like i said there isn't a whole bunch of murders no 
There's no gore. There's no nothing. None of that. It's all atmosphere. It, they, it's all what it, it puts into your brain. They, it's they just. It's amazing. They're it's subtle, somewhat subtle, disturbing like imagery and sounds and ideas, mm -hmm. and they trickle them out to you so that just when you sort of you feel your yeah. you're over the what they just told you they heat they kind of eek something else. It's like somebody whispering terrible things into your ear. Yeah, like, that's sort of what this movie is Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Um, and I think it, it's the I mean. I, I in some ways I think I would like to see the original Japanese version, the, the, the 1998 Ring, mm -hmm. uh, but I've heard it's not. It's actually not as creepy. It's, no. it's done a little. I more... I think that definitely. I mean, this is because where... the, the Japanese do horror quite well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not saying anything against it. But it's a different it, kind of horror but than this. I kind think of that horror. that I mean, Gore Verbinski really came out of the gate like it was oh, yeah. his first like major film. It wasn't his first film. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, you know, what did he do before this? Like Mousetrap and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, right? But I mean, like <laughs> Mousetrap, <laughs> like or Mouse Hunt, or Mouse Hunt, mouse hunt, hunt whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking Mousetrap, like the the, like game, the board the game, game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mouse Hunt. Yeah. But you know, Mouse Hunt and stuff like that. So I mean, you know, this was his his kind of breakthrough. Yes, and I think that his uh, ability as an artist, he really brought a mm -hmm. lot of that to this. Like, like the, it, I this made me really respect him as a filmmaker. And then, of course, he went on to do the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, yeah. and which were like taking him to a whole nother kind yeah. of realm where he became like I would love to see him not necessarily make another horror film, but but go back and do something more in the vein of The Ring in terms of not necessarily as horror, but in terms of just a small scale artistic yeah. film because he did the, the Pirates trilogy. And they were great. I mean, I, I like them probably a lot more than most people do um, because I like the sequels. Most people yeah, don't. I, I, most I'll, people don't like the sequels. I'm in the same sequels. boat as you. I'm most people don't like the sequels. Yeah. But for me, it was the world building that they did over the course of those initial three, um, building up this you know this super complex uh, relationships between all these characters. And the plot just got so unbelievably convoluted but in like a good way for me mm -hmm. um i know a lot of people didn't like that but but for me it was all just the world building that i mean and a lot of that comes from the writers not so much from from Gore, from Gore Verbinski, well, but, the, the but, ability but to he get was that able onto the screen, but he was though. able to execute it mm -hmm. so well um and uh there's a series of movies where i'm like i i don't get fatigued i'm just like yeah more please yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely um and uh his his la the lack of his presence I think was definitely felt in the fourth one, mm -hmm. um, which I still enjoyed, but nowhere near on the level of the, the trilogy. Yeah, um, I would like to see like after, another horror movie from him. But after doing those, right? Like he did, um, like uh, Lone Ranger movie, which was this huge bomb, massive bomb, mild, massive, massive bomb. And I mean, the way that it was kind of marketed and presented initially, being that it was another, um, you know. Uh, it was another Bruckheimer production through Disney, yeah, directed by Gore Verbinski, starring Johnny Depp. It was basically like a, another wild. It's it was Wild West Pirates. Of it Caribbean. was Pirates of the Caribbean in the Wild West, and wow, like it, the result was uh, completely opposite from Pirates of the Caribbean in terms of uh, its success. It was critically and commercially <laughs> just destroyed. So that's really kind of sad because I think Gore Verbinski is a really great filmmaker, but. Maybe that was a sign, you know, hey, Gore, 
maybe try try something different. Try something different and go back to maybe um, something. Not like I say, doesn't even have to be horror, but just a, a smaller scale, more artistic film like yeah. that. Um, because he's got an eye for that. Because he's shown that he can do it, and he has an incredible mm-hmm. ability artistically. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, this this movie's great. Uh, most people have seen it. It made a huge splash when it came out. Yeah, but uh, I feel like that was... It was a number 13, of years ago. 14, yeah. 14 years ago, and, you know, making a huge splash like that at the time, I feel like a lot of younger people probably aren't that familiar with it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rotten score, 72%. Okay, that's uh, pretty, interesting. pretty it's average. One of the, it's one of the... Probably only movies, a few movies on my list where the audience score is much less than the critic score. Yeah. The audience score is only forty eight percent on this movie, yeah. which I find quite shocking. Um, I, I thought this it. movie was universally liked, but um, I can believe it. But yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I it is a movie I definitely gonna want to see again. Definitely want to see the sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's not nearly as good as the first one, but I still like to see mm-hmm. it because I, there's still gonna be elements in it, and um, and it still has Naomi yeah. Watts. So yeah. Um, All right. So uh, yeah, that's that's uh, my number my number four, The Ring. All right, perfect. Um, so my number four, the theme here is uh, this is what I call the new classics. Okay. Um, because a lot of the stuff that I'm into, obviously, is older stuff. It's like mostly '70s and '80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, as I've talked about before, I'm not as much into the newer stuff because I often find it it's either just crap or it's like too slick and like Hollywoodized. Um, so these are like post two thousand, I guess would okay. be where the cutoff kind of is for me. Um, I mean, I I've seen a lot of nineties ones, and I, I don't think I don't even know if I have any nineties stuff on this list. Um, I there was some fun stuff in the nineties, but they would be more the kind of thing that would be honorable mentions. Like mm. there was stuff that I enjoyed seeing, but I, they didn't necessarily grab me. Um, my, move, my list is mostly 90s. <laughs> but, it, yeah, it's mostly 70s, 80s for me. So this, yeah. this would be, like, post-2000s okay. where I feel like the big shift would kind of happen. Okay. Um, so my first pick here is um, uh, The Ring, 2002 oh. by Grover <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. Because uh, I, I thought – When I said The Ring, you had an expression in your face. I'm like, oh, it's on this list. Well, <laughs> I, was like, I, wonder I mean, that's not surprising because yeah. I couldn't really leave it off even though I knew you probably have it. Everything that we kind of need to say about it, we've said yeah. on yours – the only thing I will add is that uh, a big part of the the uh, appeal for me is also that Naomi Watts is my favorite actress. Oh, really? So, oh. Uh, I you know I collect every movie that she's in, hmm. um, and even though she does a lot of stuff that's not my kinds of movies, mm-hmm. um, I, I'll watch them just for her because she's amazing. Um, uh, so. That's the only other thing I really had to add to that. Okay. But yes, we, we extensively talked about The Ring, yeah. Uh, okay, so, my, so what'd you pair it with? Yeah, so my other pick for this is um, uh, The Descent, 2005, by Neil Marshall. I have not seen that. I have heard it is it took really me, good. It took me forever to see it. Everybody was telling me, oh, oh sorry, what year was it from? 2005. 2005, okay. Everyone was telling me, like, oh, it's so amazing. You gotta see it, and blah, blah, blah. It took me forever, but I did. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's it's really good. Um, I think that, that that's like a real psychological one, isn't it? Yes and no. It it is in the sense that what the physical horror in it is not the most horrible thing about it. Mm-hmm. The psychological horror is more. It's is is definitely a lot worse. The physical horror is more just kind of. Um, uh, a way to get some action and some fast-paced aspects. So but what it is is if you're, if you're not familiar with it, um, 
it's an all-female cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one uh, male character in it who, not counting, like, the monsters or whatever. I'll get to that. But um, who's, like, the husband of one of the of the, of the main characters. Of the main character, I guess, technically. Um, and, but he's in it for the first couple of minutes of the movie. I mean, it's... I, I'm not, I don't want to give anything away, but let's just say that the husband character is not really a factor <laughs> in this movie. Um, the rest of it is all just these, I don't remember exactly how many, uh, five, I think is main cast of like five and they're all women. And those are the only other characters in the movie. Okay. Um, I wasn't aware of it. Those are the only cast. Yeah. Um, so Neil Marshall, Kind of, um, he didn't originally plan for to do it that way, um, but uh, it was decided at some point along the way to do that. And he basically talked to like his female friends and stuff like that to really try to get like a little bit more of a perspective where he would be able to portray them in a more realistic fashion of like what women are actually like and how they interact with each other. Um, and so you get a really different dynamic than you would with a mixed cast or with an all male cast. Um, because they're just different. Like they're, they just, they interact with each other in a different way. Um, and there's just certain things like you don't get a lot of the typical, a lot of the sort of typical tropes that you have when you have like a group of these kind of characters. Like you watch like a, like a Friday the 13th movie or something where you have a bunch of people, um, and just the way that they interact, because it's always like, oh, you know, there's the there's the guy that's just like trying to get the girl into bed, and then there's like the bully, and then there's the nerd, and there's like the the, the sort of stereotypes, right? And you don't really get that here because there's no really reason to really have that, like mm. there's cause, because you don't have that whole. Well, you're running with a different. Dynamic. It's just a group of of, of female friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they go uh, they go into this cave. Um, and it's supposed to be, you know, it turns out that basically one of them, um, has brought them into this cave, which is, a like an un, unexplored, like unmarked cave, uh, cave system. Uh, so they thought that they were going to like a known cave system and that <coughs> the authorities know where they are and they have like. And it's all been mapped out so they know, like, where to go to get in and out of the cave and everything. But it turns out that they don't because it's actually an unexplored, un, like, uh, uncharted cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, cave system. Um, so they go deeper into the cave and eventually uh, they encounter these creatures that are actually – that are called the crawlers is what they're – the behind-the-scenes – they're not yeah. called anything in the movie, obviously, because they don't know what they are. But – they're really actually people that just basically have evolved living in deep in these caves, like mm-hmm. f- f- since, you know, dawn of time kind of thing. Um, so they're basically like a human offshoot, but they're, they're not, they're not like aliens or monsters. They're humans that are just different. Um, and, uh, so that's where like the physical threat comes in. Cause you know, they're attacking them and, right. and stuff. But, it's the movie's really about the psychological issues and the interpersonal issues between the characters and about the psychological issues of what happens to people put in very extreme circumstances because 
you know, they get to a point where, like, they're fighting for survival, the actual main characters get extremely, like, savage and, like, arguably equally savage to the quote-unquote monsters Mm -hmm. um, because they're fighting for their own survival. So, I mean... Got an, it seems it's got does it have an element of that people are the real monsters kind of kind of but not really it's more just it's more just the psychology of 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 extreme circumstances, circumstances. and stuff yeah. and, and and what will people do when pushed to the and limit? of and of the interpersonal issues like when you take away uh, the framework of because there are certain uh, two I, I really don't want to give away too much because I think people should just see it but the two sort of main uh, women that, that, that in the movie, uh, there's an issue between them that is kind of not spoken of. Ah. That is beneath the surface that I can't really go into without spoiling <clears> everything. <throat> but it just kind of is about um, w- sort of what people might be capable of when the normal um, constraints of society are kind of removed because you're in this situation where you know, you're so far removed from the world that you knew and you can sort of do things that almost, and there, there's consequences, but not in the same way as there would be if you were just to do them to somebody on the street, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, I'm simplifying it a lot because I don't want to give anything away, but what's interesting is that the physical threat in terms of like the sort of monsters of it, is actually not that big of a threat because mm-hmm. it's more like um, like aliens or um, you know it's the kind of thing where like in fact the monsters are probably outmatched to a large degree like the the, the they're just sort of another thing to pile on yeah yeah they're, the they're, they're more of like a, a threat so that the environment is putting them under yeah. threat all the time and they have to be they have to be did like vigilant, mm-hmm. but on a one-to-one basis, most encounters end with like the crawler being killed, you know, like, like the main characters kill way more crawlers in this movie than there are human main characters killed, you know, it's just sort of the fact that they're out there. Yeah. is Just another sort of because pressure point because they're relentless and you can't reason with them. Yeah. yeah. So they are like very dangerous monsters in that mm-hmm. sense, because you can't just stop and say like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How about, like, if I offer you this, you know, mm-hmm. you'll leave us alone. It's like, no, you can't reason with them like In that. some ways, they're just like because, another environmental hazard. Because they're 100% savage. They yeah. have no, like, human yeah. mental, you know, uh, relationship. I assume being this, this, is, this takes place in a cave, it's claustrophobic. It's Very dark. claustrophobic. It's... There's parts where, like, uh, very, very uncomfortable. There's a part where the main character, pretty early on in, in the movie, where she's uh, stuck in a little... Um, like a little tunnel yeah. where they're going from like one set mm-hmm. of caves to, to another and she gets stuck and she's like panicking. And one of the other uh, characters has to like go down to like try to help her and get out and stuff. Yeah. And it's a super intense scene and it's just, and all it is is like being stuck in a tunnel. Like mm-hmm. there's no, this is long before the crawlers show up or there's any real threat. It's just the threat of your mind, what your mind does when like you panic, you know? And, this is the kind of horror movie that I think, like, this is the kind of thing that really succeeds in a horror movie because most people, most of us, have been in a small space. Yeah. We can relate to the horror. Yeah. And when it becomes relatable, it, yeah. it gets in and, and then the other aspect of it is all the action, action-based action stuff. I mean, that's kind of like a trademark of Neil Marshall. Um, he's 
he does action amazingly. So there are, there is action in the sense of the sort of like fight scenes, I guess you'd say. But there are also just little bits and pieces here and there that are not what you would normally call action, like for an action movie, but they're action in terms of... I mean, like the very beginning of the movie... Uh, just like the opening credits, like the very, very beginning, literally, is um, some of the characters, um, it takes place a year before the rest of the movie. And some of them, they're like white water rafting, like down like a river. Mm-hmm. And just the way it's shot, like where they'll go over like a bump or something in the water, and then it'll be like a little bit of slow motion, and the water will be in front. And I mean, it's shot like somebody who really knows how to shoot action and that's Neil Marshall. And it's, I mean, that's always kind of been his, his thing is that he can do what, what other other things has he done? Well, his first movie before this was, um, dog soldiers. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. and then he did this and then he did, uh, doomsday, which is kind of like, that was his big sort of jump into action. Yeah. Um, cause there's a lot of action in that. And that's the one where, when I saw it, I was just like, man, this guy would be really good at action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because to this day he still hasn't actually done like a straight up action movie, <laughs> um, but uh, because Doomsday didn't really do so well, and then he did um, Centurion, oh yeah, which, like seen the that Rome one. thing, and that really didn't do well. Um, did okay critically, but it massively bombed commercially. Um, and so he's mostly been doing a lot of like uh, high end television right lately. Um, like Game of Thrones and stuff like that, ah. right? Like, um, he did um the the famous um you know, like the Battle of Blackwater episode, oh, okay. right? With all the crazy action and stuff like that, like where you know it was something where when they first announced, oh, we've got Neil Marshall coming to like you know direct an episode for us, it was just kind of like, yeah, obviously that's that's the right person for that type of thing when you need to like pull off some really impressive action on a very small budget. Because, I mean, that's what he did with his movies, with his early movies, right? Well, with all his movies, really. Because um, none of them have, like, a huge budget. Um, but this, especially, The Scent is really low budget, and uh, Dog Soldiers was really low budget. Um, and uh, Dog Soldiers is one that I've heard many people say, like, good movie, good movie, really yeah, good. Dude. I, have not, I awesome. have not seen Dog Soldiers. Awesome. I haven't seen Descent either. So well, there uh, you go. Both both of these, both of those, sound yeah. good. So, I, this sounds good. I it was, I'm it was. it's list. really interesting. Yeah, it's it's not what you would expect. Like no. if you just hear about like, oh, this is what it's about. It's mm-hmm. like it's not really about what it's about. If yeah. that makes sense, like you know, it's it's a lot deeper than that, and that's mm-hmm. what sort of puts it on the list. All right, your three, my three, my number three, um, three. This is probably the least horror movie on my list. Oh, uh, almost go. wasn't. Okay. On my list, almost got replaced, but I I like it too much, mm-hmm. and I I think it still fits the criteria of horror. Okay. Um, based on a Stephen King novella. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. directed by Frank Darabont, The Mist from two thousand seven. Yeah, I think it counts. Yeah. Yep. Um, I really starts Thomas Jane. I. I'm a Thomas Jane fan. I'll watch anything he's in. He's been in a lot of bad stuff, but I'll watch anything okay, he's in. Uh, let me. <laughs> let, okay. Okay. I think it counts enough that it's okay for your list there. Um, for me, it's a little bit. It's it's a little more drama thrillery oh, for, for me. Sure, for it's sure, a, it's a little bit not quite pure horror enough for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this, mm-hmm. I, it's an amazing movie. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. So you know, if I if I don't uh, mention it later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
by all means, don't take that as that no. I don't think it's that good because I think it's amazing. It's just it, it it falls a little bit outside of like the pure horror as to what I'm trying to concentrate on. Um, like so, I said, there was I had a I had a, proceed proceed. Yeah, I just I, I had to say no that. no no. I, I agree I agree. I had a lot <laughs> of great movies movie. that were in this three spot. Like, but I think real it's, pure horror. I think movies. it's close enough and that I, it's okay. And I just it, I was it like I need to put the mist on this list. Yeah, I like the mist. It's great far too much. Yep. Uh, I've seen it a number of times. Yep. Which is again very rare. One of those for me, rare. One of, being that it's recent, and I usually don't watch movies. One of those one rare once. times where a uh, big improvement on the source material as well. Yeah. Uh, even Stephen King agreed to it. Yeah. Well, um, especially regarding the ending. Yeah, because there was no. Because the story had no ending. It has no ending. And Frank Darabont. Believe me, I grew up wrote as a, a new ending because he was both the writer and director. I grew this. up as a huge Stephen King fan. Yes. Um, yeah. I read everything that he did up to kind of. Uh, you know, the 90s kind of. Yeah. And I've read a little bit more here and there, but mm-hmm. um, mostly just like as a teenager especially, which is a great time to be a Stephen King fan, um, especially like when we were teenagers because mm-hmm. it was before like all the distractions of the internet and all yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff that takes all 90% of my time nowadays. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I read a lot more back then and yeah. I was a huge Stephen King fan and I'll say for sure that the movie is better than the yeah. story. And especially with regards to the ending, I, I can verify... Right here now, there was definitely there was like no ending. Yeah. Literally, they just drive away. It is, uh, the and in some ways, I think the ending is this in this in in the mist, like the ending. I'm not going to spoil the ending. It is it's very important. A lot of people know, have heard about it. Yeah, it's very important. That I feel like to enjoy, not to enjoy this movie, like not knowing the ending is is important yeah. in this film because it makes a big difference in how you feel about the film while you're watching oh, yeah. it. It's crazy, um, uh, but. That ending is, in a way, what makes this film, like... Yeah. It's her- it's a horrific ending, it but not in the way you think it is. It brings yeah. it to another level. Um, uh, for those who haven't seen this movie, uh, it's uh, about, uh, like, a storm descends on this town, um, and um, a bunch of people from the town, a small town, everybody knows each other, uh, about a dozen of them get trapped in a grocery store while this, sort of this this mist fog. Well, the, the mist rolls in in yeah. the wake of the storm. In the wake of the storm, and yeah. people just start disappearing. And everybody, the, or the, the, the sort of these main characters, these 12 different characters from sort of all walks of life in this town, are trapped in the supermarket, and none of them want to go outside uh, because you just no idea what's going to happen to you. And, and over the course of the well, movie... People who go outside don't come back. Don't come back. Pretty much. <laughs> and over the course of the movie, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things. If you haven't seen this, I, I won't spoil it, but a lot of things are revealed. But uh, this movie, I guess, sort of a, similar to The Scent in some ways, uh, a, a lot of this movie is person-on-person horror. Yeah. Uh, what people it's great. do when, it, when they start to panic. It's a good comparison because it's great for many of the same reasons. Yeah. Because it's... The horror is not so much about. Um, well, you see, nobody di- like like don't nobody die, but like there's no horrific deaths, there's no gore, there's no. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, the, the sort of like horror aspect of it in terms of um, arguably supernatural or whatever yeah, yeah. you want to call it um, uh, is definitely not the primary thing. It's really just kind of uh, sets the stage for yes. for the. For, for the intri- issues between mm-hmm. the people, and, yeah. You, you a, watch what people are willing to do yeah. to each other, like, in a time of, like... Yeah, as you say, I mean, it's literally, like, like pretty much what I was just saying about yeah, the descent. Yeah, like, exactly, it's a really yeah. similar... Yeah. Well, I didn't really think about that, but it's that it's the same kind of no. um, 
in the and you, same vein. You, 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 you go from as I stutter over myself here. Uh, you start to start hating human humanity watching this movie because <laughs> you watch what the people do, and you're just like, you know, there you are know people like, like that. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely. Like, oh, the, it's. In some ways, it's like sort of a little too close to home, yeah, which absolutely. again makes it that identifiable horror, which makes yep. it worse. Gets yep. really under your skin, absolutely. Kind of horror. Yep. hundred um, percent agree on all and that. And I and I just think it's it's a great movie. It's uh, yep. I, again, it's one of those ones. I think I think quite a few people have seen this movie. Um, yeah, quite a it's few. It sort of snuck in there. What year was it again? Uh, Two thousand seven. So it's okay. it's not super old. Yeah. Um, I actually um, one thing that's interesting is on the Blu-ray. Because uh, it's a really nice visual movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's the well. other thing. It is on the, on very the, well on shot. The, yeah. On the Blu-ray, on the extra things, there's actually um, – they have uh, the black and white version because oh. basically they put it they, – they put it – they constructed an entire version of the film in, purely in black and white. And um, it's really interesting because it's very, very contrasty, so it's all kind of light and shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a super, um, it's not a very subtle black and white. Like, it's not the forced, like, 100% contrast of, like, you know, uh, something like, um, you know, like the comic, uh, the comics, uh, uh, the Sin City comics, you know. Right. Where there's no shading and it's 100% black or white. Right, right. Um, which, in the Sin City movies, they don't really try to replicate that. The Sin City movies, for the most part, are standard black and white with, with gray shades. But there are certain shots in the Sin City movies where they portray them uh, to look exactly like the comics, where mm-hmm. it's a hundred percent contrast. There's like a few shots like that. the The black and white version of the Mist isn't like that, but it's just the way that it was done. There, there's a, a very extreme contrast. So, so they didn't artificially create like a um, a complete. 100% contrast, but they they just shot the movie in such a way so that there would be, would be. mostly very extremes of black, huh. black and white. So it's it doesn't look like, you know, watching the Andy Griffith show on TV. Like, it's not that kind mm. of, like, standard, like oldie style standard black oldie white. black and white. It's a very... It wasn't black and white just because they weren't filming it in color. It was black yeah. and white, like, it was artistically black and yeah, white. Yeah, it's artistically yeah. black and white, but it's all kind of how they shot it and stuff. And, mm. uh, it's really good. It, that, it, it really changes some of that. Yeah. The the atmosphere a little bit, like enhances the atmosphere a bit. Not that there's anything wrong with the standard color version. Like like that's great. Like it's totally cool. I can see I can see why that would be the standard release because uh, most people are not going to be interested in black and white movie nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works really well. It's really interesting alternative way of looking at the movie. Yeah, and 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 because they put it out on the Blu-ray, it's like even though it's black and white, Very it's super high quality. Nice. Like it's perfect. Uh, Definitely perfect a, a limited uh, limited storytelling here. Ninety-nine percent of this movie takes place inside a supermarket. Yeah, like, like a small supermarket too, because yeah, it's like a like small town, small town supermarket. Small town supermarket. Um, which of course is always a great thing when you get a bunch of people and you stick them in a spot and then they're trapped there with an external threat. Yeah, that's like a great. That's like a like a sort of a, a trope, but also a great horror ingredient when done rightly. Yeah, rightly when done correctly. <laughs> right. uh, it's done rightly, um, <laughs> but yeah. So that's my number. Uh, my number three okay. is uh, is is two thousand seven's The Mist. Cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. So your number two, three, or oh, your number three, right? Because yeah, you're first, right? 
so my number three, I wasn't really too sure what to call this one uh, okay. theme-wise, but I guess I just kind of call it like the first-timers. Okay. So these are things where they were first time. They're fil- first films by these filmmakers. Yeah. That are just like next level, and it, you're, ah, okay. you're just like blown away by the fact that these are first films that where you're just like, you know, these are very special uh-huh. people to like pull something off like this as their first film. Um, so uh, the first one on this one is um, so these are this is the first time this director has done these yeah or, or done a film okay yeah so oh, uh, hmm. first one is uh, from 1981 well, okay technically mostly made in 79 but it took yeah. some time to get everything finished up and, mm-hmm. and released but it's uh, the Evil Dead by Sam Raimi ah so uh, I had a feeling this was going to be on your list somewhere the, the original Evil Dead movie is the only one of the Evil Dead series that is actually a horror movie yeah um, the rest are like kind of like horror comedy horror action when you get to like Army of Darkness that's mm-hmm. barely even horror anymore it's like the horror stuff is so um, token mm-hmm. it's like oh there's it, like skeletons and a little bit of blood it's like it's not a horror at all at that point. It's I, I like think action adventure comedy. It's one of those things I don't think most people know that like the difference between one and two. The fact that Evil Dead is called Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two is called Evil Dead Two is is kind of silly. Well, it's that's a misnomer. Made, well, that's what makes it so great. Yeah, yeah. Because it's ridiculous when you yeah. look at the course. It might as well of the be called series, Evil Dead Seven. For when you all look that at matters. the progression of the series, <laughs> like nothing has anything to do with anything else. No. Yet te- one is one is completely standalone. Technically, they're they follow after each other, yeah. but it's like th- there's there's massive continuity like uh, problems between mm-hmm. them. Um, although interestingly enough, uh, one thing that's not a continuity problem before between them is uh, they were actually very careful to uh, track all. Uh, Bruce Campbell obviously is the main character. Ash, mm-hmm. uh, all of the damage that he took. Oh, from movie to movie to movie. Throughout the movies, they actually tracked it all, and they they make sure to, that the makeup reflects. So, like, any, like, cuts and stuff like that that he's had in the previous movies, they actually had, like, a, like a facial sort of map that they had <laughs> where they had, like, okay, he's got a cut over here from this scene. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, a cut here from this scene, a scar here from this scene, and they actually had it all figured out so that... Well- when they did Army of Darkness would, years later, it would always because he was older. Yeah. Like it's, he's just covered in scars yeah. from all that stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, so they had it all kind of mapped out. So that's one thing where they really did mm-hmm. pay attention to the continuity. But like pretty much everything else is pretty much yeah. is pretty freeform. But the original movie is a is a is an honest to god uh, horror movie. Um, basically, Sam Raimi and his friends had been making like Super Eight shorts. Yeah, pretty much all through their teens. Um, and it got to a certain point where their movies were, their Super 8 movies were getting longer and longer and more and more sophisticated. And eventually the time came where it was like, well, you know, maybe we should just make a feature. Like mm-hmm. that would be like the next sort of logical step. And as, as, uh, Bruce Campbell points out, Bruce Campbell has an autobiographical book called, uh, If Chins Could Kill, yeah. Confessions of a B-Movie Actor, which is amazing. It's very and good book. I would highly recommend it. Um, it talks about like his child and stuff like that, but a big part of it is a fairly uh, in-depth uh, story of the making of the original Evil Dead. And Bruce Campbell points out something which is mind-blowing for someone who's like a big film uh, buff and stuff, which is that 
Sam Raimi was, as Bruce Campbell phrases it, technically still a teenager when they started work on Evil Dead. <laughs> this is insane because most filmmakers, even if they made like Super 8 movies and stuff when they were kids, most filmmakers don't get a chance to make a feature until usually they're in their 30s. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the, not 19. That's pretty much the norm, right? So the fact that Sam Raimi had not yet turned 20 and they were like, "Yeah, we're going to make a feature." And what's more, we're going to go off to like we're we're going to go down to like a, a another state like you know, out a, of state, out of state like like away from home which like we've never really been um in a completely different environment, completely new environment that we don't know. We're going to find, you know, some crappy cabin like cabin in the woods basically mm. and and make a, a feature film there i mean it was insane and he had to have a note from his folks the story saying, yes i'm allowed the to story the behind the story behind the making of it and just how difficult it was like what they went through making this film uh is a, it's an amazing story and, and definitely i recommend bruce campbell's book for that because it's really entertaining it's a great book it is a really good book yes but yeah, uh, like I say, it goes quite in depth about it, um, and it's just an, it's an amazing story. Like the fact that they were able to actually pull this off, like a bunch of kids basically, I, I who feel... were just like, yeah, we're going to make a feature film. Mm-hmm. Like what? And yeah, and and Sam Raimi was such like he's such a um, like a he's like a savant almost with filmmaking. Like like he's he's so prodigious in his talents as a young filmmaker. Like, um. They were literally inventing, like, new filming techniques and stuff on a daily basis to be able to, like, pull off the kind of shots that were coming out of his mind as to what they wanted to get. And, I mean, it's it's fairly well known now, things like the um, the, uh, the shaky cam where, uh, you know, obviously steady cam was, like, a new thing at the time and it was only for, like, you know, big movies and stuff. So they, you know, obviously they didn't have steady cam, but... Uh, just a handheld camera is not wasn't going to work. So what they did is they took like um, uh, yeah, not in the a, 80 like anyway. a piece of, like a piece of two by four, and bolted the camera to it. And then basically the camera guy just holds on to the board and then just runs as fast as he can. So you get a shaking a certain amount of shakiness, but it's more it's a more stable platform than just holding on like to the shoulder camera yeah. handheld. Uh, so you you it's like you get a little bit of the gliding aspect that you do with Steadicam, but it's not steady. Mm-hmm. So it's like a rough sort of, it's a rough sort of, the microphone. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a rough sort of glide, mm-hmm. but it works perfect for like those, like the POV shots of like the, the evil force, yeah. you know? The, well, it, it, what it does is, is, is it gets that where it's, it gets the point across of what you're trying to portray as like running POV yeah. without making the audience ill. Yeah, it's like <laughs> exactly. It's much more aesthetically pleasing than, mm-hmm. than standard handheld, and and that's just one example. But I mean, there are tons of examples. Yeah. The the you know backwards acting was a big thing in in the yeah. early Sam Raimi stuff where you'd be able to do things backwards, and then when you played it forwards, you know you could achieve certain effects and stuff with at basically no cost. Um, and just, I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, you could, we could do an entire... I feel this movie, um, the, the Evil Dead, the stories about how this movie got made, uh, all the, the, the stuff behind this movie, far better than the movie itself. In some ways. Uh, I, I mean, think... I realize it's his first film. It's Okay, I, I'll say this. When I rank it on here and stuff like this, I'm ranking it primarily 
um, because of the technical it's importance it's a technical achievements mm-hmm. and its importance um nobody would try to argue that the story is really much of anything the characters aren't much of anything the dialogue's not much of anything um there's not a lot of like I mean, it's not a bad movie there's no it's great but there's not a lot of deep characterization there's not a lot of deep psychological stuff happening the dialogue is not especially great um you know the writing in general i mean the script was not it was a very simple, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot to the script. It was really more just about putting it out there. Mm-hmm. But the technical mastery of this kid, basically, having yeah. having these ideas in his brain that he's able to physically uh, convert <laughs> into reality of getting these shots that, that these experienced filmmakers through the decades hadn't even, had never thought of, or at least if they thought of them, they couldn't execute them and here they were executing these shots with no experience other than silly super eight short films Mm -hmm. but no no professional experience whatsoever um and uh no budget you know basically Mm -hmm. um and and for that achievement that's why i mean i just think it's an incredible film when you think look at it in that light um and it's and it's very enjoyable in terms of um it ticks all the boxes in terms of like what like a late seventies, early eighties horror mm. film should be. I mean, there's, you know, it's got the gore, it's got the spooky noises, it's got the, you know, the cabin in the woods, it's got the, all the different, the elements. You know, it's even got it's on point. <laughs> yeah, it's got some, you know, some topless scenes. It's got some this and that, you know, all the stuff that you kind of need to have in these kind of uh, genre, but just on this whole other level on the technical achievement of what they were able to do. And it's all just because of the creativity of basically Sam Raimi and what he's able to, what he was able to get across. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh no, that's great. Great. What's, uh, what'd you pair it with? So the second pick here is, uh, in the same thing, same realm as that in terms of, uh, being a first timer thing, but again, kind of like with, um, the previous, the, the other, thing i i picked was it's it's on a completely opposite thing in many ways um and it's uh, from 1987 hellraiser by clive barker so although clive barker obviously was at this point as a technically a first-time filmmaker um he was a very experienced writer um although this was still relatively re- early in his career his his first novel only came out in 85 mm. so that was only a couple of years before this uh and then before that he'd done like short stories um, but you know, obviously he was a very accomplished writer. Um, so on the contrast to something like evil dead, where it was all about the technical achievement, because that's where Sam Raimi's strengths lay and the story and the characters and stuff, there's not much to them. Uh, with Hellraiser, it's all about the writing because mm-hmm. I mean, not that it's bad visually, but, but it's because, little... because Clive Barker, <laughs> Clive Barker was not an experienced filmmaker. He had to rely upon, his crew and stuff to sort of it's a professional film like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel unprofessional in any way but it's very sort of simple disturbing and, though very disturbing yeah. this film this was one of the ones that was vying for that that third spot on yeah. my list this hellraiser is a film that portions of this movie have stuck with me yeah. since and, i saw and, it and again this is when i was of, young again this is one of those cases where um uh where a film series uh where something has become a series 
yeah. and kind of gotten away from itself. The original, <laughs> oh crea- the original creator, as it ever, the original creator really had nothing to do with. You know, Clive Barker didn't really have anything to do with any of the later mm-hmm. ones, um, and it just kind of went off in its own direction. One of the few I've actually seen most of the later ones. Yeah, and I haven't really because I watched the second, which yeah. uh, the second kind of takes up fairly closely after the first, although it's quite different. Yeah. Um, yes. And then the third, I, I watched did, the third. I did, you, I did not see the third it was, one. The third was terrible, and that's where I stopped because I, I was just like, "Well, if this is how I this saw is be. whatever one, it wasn't the, it wasn't Hellraiser four, or was it the the outer space one? Uh, that is. I can't even remember. The Space Station Puzzle Box. Yeah, I haven't haven't seen any of those ones. I've only sort of heard about them. Yeah. But I know there's lots more. Mm. I think there's like seven or eight. Oh, Jesus. Um, (laughs) Something like that. But uh, I've only ever seen the first three. The the second one is okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the second one's quite slick because it's it got a very lot of different. budget and stuff like that. And then that, the third one's, the third one's one. really bad, mm-hmm. um, so that I gave up after that. So, But the the original is a masterpiece oh, in its own mm-hmm. way, and it's nothing like – if people have seen the, any of the sequels, it's nothing like no. them. It's not a typical horror movie. It's mentally very dark. Yeah. Like, cool. I mean, it, it is what Clive Barker specializes in, yeah. which is uh, – it's Dark a really and disturbing effective, in an unexpected way. It's a really effective translation of his style, mm-hmm. his artistic style to film. Um, and it's a lot simpler than what he writes in his mm-hmm. books. But that simplification like, is kind of necessary to make a good, clear movie. movie. And, and he, one thing I like about Clive Barker is he really knows the difference between books and movies really mm-hmm. well. And he doesn't try to force his movies uh, to be everything that his books are. Like, he understands that it's a different medium and it's movies are a more visual medium and you don't want to have the – you need to sort of simplify the story a little bit than you would in like an 800-page novel mm. or something. Um which is the size of novels he writes off. A lot of them, yeah. <laughs> um, not all of them, but no, a lot of a them. Few, yeah. um, he does some short ones, but mm-hmm. um, but like most of his movies are usually um, based on like short stories or like novellas mm-hmm. uh, that he's written that he then kind of does something a little different with and takes it in its own direction for the movie version. Um, so I think that's really smart because he basically takes a story that's already kind of a smaller story and uh, and and expands upon that for the movie version rather than trying to take like a really complicated big novel and condense that down to a movie. Um, it definitely falls in like he's a category of, a, of an author where many times I've thought, oh, man, I wish there were more Clive Barker books to movies. Yeah. And then and then I have to catch myself and think, but I think oh, it, I think it's most good. of his books wouldn't. No, that's the would, thing. They like. Almost on length alone, like yeah, I don't even know if you can make TV shows out of them. They yeah, I so, think it works. You know. I think it works really well yeah. that he is such an accomplished. Like you say, he does know the difference, that and and, the, and that that he ended up being so good at making movies because that doesn't always you know that's not always the case where like an author decides like oh I'm going to be a filmmaker now too yeah uh, they don't they're not always good at it and he's no. good at it because all of the movies that he's done himself are good. Um, this was his first, and this I put on here just because it is very classic and it's just very effective. Um, Most people, it's uh, iconic. Yeah. If people don't know Hellraiser, at the very least, 
a lot of people know Pinhead. Well, a lot of people know <laughs> about it because of the sequels and yeah. the fact that it became one of these endless ongoing series. Yeah. Yeah. But you kind of have to put that out of your mind and realize that the original has nothing to do with that. Yeah. It's its own thing. You know, the the, the sort of the famous kind of Cinnabite Pinhead mm-hmm. thing right like they they, didn't they, big they, the, they show up the literally one. at the very end of the movie for mm-hmm. like a minute you know that's not what the movie's about um but it's amazing yeah. so yep. you want to want to see a movie about people doing horrible things to other people mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> damn yep. it's dark movie <laughs> no it that's is. great it is yeah yep. but it's good that's a good one we're, that, we're talking yep. about horror right so. yeah no that's a good one yeah it fits 